Today's episode of Menu Feed is brought to you by Bush's Best. Now you can offer fresh-made hummus with ease. Bush's Best Classic Hummus Made Easy works in any operation. To prepare, all you have to do is combine with one number 10 can of Bush's Best garbanzo or low-sodium garbanzo beans and blend to desired consistency. The result? Great hummus with no hassle. For more information, visit bushbeansfoodservice.com. Welcome to Menu Feed, a bi-weekly podcast from Winsight Media's two food service brands, Restaurant Business and Food Service Director. I'm Pat Kobe, Senior Editor covering menu, food, and drink for both brands. It's that time of year when dozens of trend reports come out predicting the menu items, foods, and flavors that will be hot in the year ahead. So for this episode of Menu Feed, we tapped the trend spotters at our sister company, Technomic, to find out what data-driven trends they are tracking. Listen as Technomic menu experts Lizzie Fryer and Amy Harvey talk 2020 trends. Okay, so let's get started. Amy, towards the end of the year, many companies and trend spotters make predictions about what's coming in 2020. So what sets the Technomic forecast apart? Well, there, there is a lot of forecasting that goes on, on during what I would call like trend watching season. You know, mm-hmm. everyone wants to set the stage as uh, we approach a new year. I think what sets Technomic apart in terms of our forecasting and just in terms of what we do on a daily basis is that it's all driven by our proprietary data. Our methodology is sound. And so when when we talk about what's coming next, it's always from, uh, you know, from the standpoint of what um, we're, we're seeing in the data and what consumers are telling us uh, throughout the year. So that's always the basis of how we approach um, trends coming up. Cool. And so, Lizzie, this year, Technomic highlighted seven trends that will impact restaurants and other food service operation. So let's start with cool colors heat up. What's that about? Yeah, so that was kind of just a fun, interesting way to approach one of the trends that we're seeing with a lot of the ingredients that are trending right now. When we were taking a look back at 2019, a lot of the trends that we noticed that were really popular happened to be a lot of those warmer colors. So if you think about turmeric, you know, which kind of has that orangey, yellowy, um, Chinese red chili crisp, of course, one of those red condiments, orange wine. So we thought it was kind of an interesting take on something that we're seeing more up and coming were a lot of those cool colors, those greens and blues and purples. So what are some of the ingredients that characterize those colors? So starting with a lot of the greens, a lot of kind of interesting plants are coming up. I think with the E. coli outbreak that was tied to the romaine lettuce scare, kind of, mm-hmm. I think it was early earlier this year, maybe a late last year. And then there um, was another one last week. Exactly. So. <laughs> it's constant. Right. So I think with a lot of that, we're seeing a lot of operators and consumers in turn looking at new leaf vegetables beyond just romaine. Um, so we're starting to see things like saltus, Kale hybrids like kalettes and lollipop kale, new rabs beyond broccoli rob. I think everybody knows broccoli rob, but mm-hmm. we're starting to see things like turnip rob, arugula rob, collard rob, um, things like that all starting to gain momentum. And we're also seeing, interestingly, a lot of those leaf vegetables that consumers are familiar with popping up in adult beverages, which I think is kind mm. of a fun take on those healthy beverage trends that we're seeing. 
Um, beyond the greens, I think some of the blues, that was a little bit harder. Um, but I think some of the ones that we're seeing are butterfly pea flower extract, which mm -hmm. we've seen um, in a lot of those color-changing cocktails. And then spirulina popping up in a lot of smoothies and juices and smoothie bowls. Um, and then as far as the purple colors, interestingly, a lot of the common vegetables that we see, like corn, broccoli, kale, cauliflower, potatoes, we're getting the purple variations on those vegetables um, as kind of a new take on the traditional vegetables that we see. Yeah, that's kind of fun. I know in the past we were always told that there is really no blue food in nature, but now we're seeing chefs using blue colors and blue food. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So the next trend you call out is the year of the fad. And in the past, we sort of poo-pooed fads in favor of longer lasting trends. We always wanted to pinpoint the trends. So why are fads hot now, Lizzie? Yeah, I thought that that was kind of interesting because we're calling fads a trend. Mm -hmm. um, so it's kind of an interesting take on something that we would have you know, once really not really looked into, but the idea really comes from the fact that our attention spans are narrowing. There's a lot of research that's being done that just because of the information age and what younger people especially are looking at now with YouTube and a lot of social media, people just want quick information and they want quick blips of things. So in turn, how is that impacting restaurants? Well, we're starting to see restaurants looking to like super limited or limited, limited time offers mm -hmm. to keep people excited, to draw them into restaurants. Um, and, you know, it's it's kind of looking at things that you might not have seen otherwise because of that, whether it's an ingredient that's really expensive or it's very laborious in the back of house mm -hmm. to make or it's really just kind of off the wall. So now we're starting to see those types of fad items being featured as kind of trends everywhere up to those top chain restaurants. That's really interesting. So I know you called some of these fads head scratcher fair. So what does that mean? And what are some of the head scratchers that you're seeing emerge in 2020? Yeah, so I, I call them head scratchers for two reasons. One is like, huh, like can you actually consume that? Um, think about like insects. We've been talking about edible insects mm. lately. Um, Huitlac coche, which is corn smut. It's literally a fungus. Um, so is that actually something you can eat? Well, yes, it is. And here's how you can actually see it um, being featured on the menu. Um, and then the other side of that kind of head scratcher fare is stuff that you don't even know if it's really legal. So we talk about uh, cannabis or CBD being featured in foods and beverages. Um, technically, that is actually not legal, but we are starting to see um, you know, rules and regulations starting to loosen up a little bit on that. And I think mm -hmm. every year and every state will have um, kind of new legalities. Um, so I think that's kind of one that we're starting to see as well. So a right. lot of head scratchers. <laughs> so it looks like cannabis, though, will probably be a trend that's going to continue more than a fad that's just passing. Exactly. So I think we wrapped it up in this because I think it is something that falls into that whole head scratcher mm -hmm. realm. Right. But cannabis is definitely here to stay. It's going to be something that we're going to be talking about for a while, whether that be CBD, which is the non-psychoactive component of cannabis, um, being featured a lot of times in desserts or cocktails or mm -hmm. beverages. But even more and more, we're starting to see some uh, you know, especially adult beverage suppliers looking at how to incorporate THC, which is a psychoactive component of cannabis. A lot of times in, you know, places like California or Colorado, we're seeing suppliers 
you know, making THC infused sparkling waters or something. Mm. So it'll be interesting to see how that kind of permeates the restaurant space. Right. So Amy, um, another trend addresses the evolving tastes of each generation. And Technomic is calling these life stages right. in its report. So talk a little bit about how each life stage is changing and how operators can tap into this trend. So, you know, we hear a lot about generational differences, and, and we know that, that our industry is working to connect the dots between what generations want and what they need. But what tends to get lost in that conversation are the nuances and distinctions that exist even within each individual generation. So as each group is hitting on these different milestones that really change up their lifestyle, it's it's more valuable to talk about life stage, and that's where, where we're trying to approach it rather than just mm-hmm. um, stick to the static age range and what that means. So no group is a monolith anymore. There's no one size fits all. So, um, you know, there's a big difference between an older millennial, millennial and a younger one, for example. So... Um, for example, so every day it's estimated that 10,000 boomers retire from the workforce. So it's important to consider what, what what the food service needs of a boomer who's retired would be versus a boomer who's still very active in their career mm-hmm. and may have some very distinct need for convenience, for example. Um, Gen X, overloaded, lots of career, caretaker, um, parental responsibilities. They have children ranging from young adults to even elementary school age kids. So what do they need in terms of value? You know, what is their value equation? What do they need from health, kid friendliness, kids menus when they dine out? Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of parents, by 2026, 80% of all millennials will be parents and nothing changes up your life arguably more than having kids. So how will that new millennial lifestyle shift to accommodate that? Um, will convenience, price, or quality begin to matter more to them? And then finally, we have Gen Z. Um, this is the, the youngest adult population, but more of them are driving. They're entering legal drinking age, mm-hmm. which is probably the most um, impactful change for them. They're working their first jobs out of college. So, um, you know, how will expectations change for them in terms of what they need from service, technology, their pricing thresholds are shifting. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot to consider, but it's important to, to think about um, you know, where each generation is hitting in terms of their life stage. Right. And that really applies to non-commercial operators, too, mm-hmm. because there are so many boomers entering senior living facilities right. and Gen Zs coming into B&I and corporate dining. Right. So, you know, there's... Yeah, and there's, Gen Z has a lot of expectations coming out of the college and university food right. service sector where trends cycle forward very rapidly mm-hmm. for them. So delivery and takeout has had a huge impact on restaurants in 2019 and even in non-commercial. So how will off-premise play out in 2020, Amy? Um, It's definitely going to continue to flourish. Um, We know that third-party companies, as far as from the delivery aspect, they are growing by leaps and bounds. Um, The latest technomic research shows that that nearly 8 out of 10 restaurant operators consider off-premise to be um, a strategic priority in terms of building their sales. So um, we know that that operators are going to continue to invest, especially in, in drive-through uh, enhancements. Mm-hmm. Um, and then again, partnering with third-party players, renovating their units in order to um, be more effective in the kitchen and back of house to accommodate off-premise. But we also think that there's going to be a battle for traffic too, and there will be some counteractive efforts um, to, to draw in more traffic into the restaurant too. 
So what can operators do to offset off-premise, I guess, you know, and get customers actually in their seats rather than eating from home? I think there's a battle right now, and this is something that we've been talking about at Technomic. There's this this battle for experience versus convenience, and I think mm-hmm. that you're going to see more operators really up that experiential factor um, in order to create something compelling that's going to bring people in. But beyond that, just thinking about the menu, we'll see more promotional activity. So mm-hmm. you know there'll be more loyalty and subscription-based platforms. You know, similar to what Burger King is doing with their BK Cafe Coffee subscription, mm-hmm. where you get a cup of coffee every day for just $5 a month, but you have to come in in order to activate that deal. And so, you know, it's kind of driving people in Mm -hmm. if they want to participate in that. So more of these BOGOs, um, you know, buy one, get one, Mm -hmm. dine-in only deals. So, you know, meant to drive people in for that enticing deal, but they have to come in in order to experience that. And that's interesting because, you know, full service can create an experience, but QSRs are less likely to be able to create that experience right. without a deal. Right, so the deal will be the driver. Yeah. yeah, cool. We've all talked and written a lot about plant forward eating in 2019. So what trend is this pushing to the forefront in 2020? Yeah, 2019 has been all about those imitation or analog meats. I think we've talked about plant forward so much this year. Cauliflower, everything, zucchini mm-hmm. noodles, how to kind of repurpose fruits and vegetables to look and taste like meat. So I think now with 2020, what we're seeing is kind of these new forces of nature coming into the fold. So new types of, uh, you know, natural resources to kind of keep menus exciting. Mm -hmm. So you call that forces of nature. So what are some of the ingredients that fit into that trend? I think this kind of talks about like two specific trends. One is um, seaweed. I think we have not really seen all that we have to possibly see about seaweed. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of operators and uh, grocers using seaweed and snacks specifically. Mm-hmm. But I think going forward, we're going to see more uh, seaweed applications in desserts and even in drinks, particularly adult beverages, as kind of that umami kick. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other part of this is... Um, operators looking at previously overlooked parts of familiar plants and featuring them in new ways. So we see beets all the time, but but we don't really see beet greens very often. Mm -hmm. Um, Tomato, everyone's familiar with tomato, but not super familiar with tomato leaves. Um, uh, Snow pea leaves, peach leaves, uh, taro root leaves, things like that. So this speaks to, obviously, you know, the new forces of nature, just new types of plants in general, but it also speaks to, um, you know, just the fact that it's a form of waste reduction. So right. you're using all parts of the plant. Um, so, you know, because these plants are familiar to most consumers, it kind of provides a little bit of safe adventure for a lot of them as well. Right. And that leads us really nicely into the next trend, eco-everything, mm-hmm. the new economy of sustainability. Amy, can you describe what that means? Sure. So in the past, when we talk about sustainability, you know, over the years, it's been all about, you know, creating a product, uh, using it and and recycling it. Mm -hmm. Um, This is more of a circular economy of create, use, reuse, uh, recycle and then sustain. Um, So, you know, we'll start to see a new approach toward limiting uh, overuse, limiting waste, or even eliminating waste in some cases and Mm -hmm. building a whole economy around that. Um, So some of the things that we've noticed are portion controlling uh, dispensers of paper, strawless lids, 
smaller napkins, wood fiber utensils, but also um, in terms of packaging, a lot more investment into compostable packaging. So mm -hmm. it can cycle right back and then just keep this kind of circular thing going. But um, one of the more interesting ways of what we're talking about, a new economy around sustainability, are new ways of processing and uh, distributing food leftovers. So there's there, this is happening uh, internationally as well. We're seeing a lot of movement in the UK around this. And it's happening here too. But there are apps um, that allow users to actually buy leftover food from restaurants in their area mm. um, at anywhere from 50 to 80 percent off the original price. Um, so there, there's a number of different app companies that and, and restaurants that are partnering for this oh, cool. um, and uh, you know just connecting either organizations that serve people in need Mm -hmm. You know, they can distribute their leftovers to them or people can actually come in and buy leftovers at the end of the night, typically when the restaurant is about to close. So this is um, it just shows kind of how sustainability eliminating food waste in some cases, how that effort is really, you know, getting broader for the industry mm. and, and new practices that are um, affording uh, operators, you know, these these new opportunities to do good and do well at the same time. Mm -hmm. So. It would be nice if they tied that into delivery too, so that you could yeah. get the you know leftover food delivered at a discounted rate. That would yeah. be cool. I'm sure it will happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hate to end on a negative note, but trend number seven pinpoints the chance of a recession in 2020. Amy, how will that impact menus? Well, it, yeah, it, it it does have a negative connotation, but I think that operators are are more ready for it than they were. 10 years ago when, when it first hit. Um, the way we see it impacting will be in terms of consumer behavior. We'll see more of that trade down um, activity that we saw um, you know, nine to 10 years ago where consumers were kind of trading down from that full service experience back to the drive-through, mm -hmm. um, increased visitation at fast casual. Um, so, so a bit of that lower check. So we'll see more bundling um, on the menu, we'll see more um, deals-driven promotions, more family-sized meals, um, getting more for the money. But I think that operators are in a better position to offer that now. I think that they've kind of learned a lot of lessons over the last right. decade um, that have prepared them for this. I think uh, in, in the midst of an economic downturn, though, we will see um, just increased usage of, of delivery as well. So mm -hmm. there will be, be a lot of at-home uh, occasions, and I think that that's part of what we think will keep that uh, off-premise engine running. Right. I guess restaurants will also have to do more events to draw people in. That's you know that's been yeah. something that powered the full service segment. Right. So they'll have to they'll have to get creative with that again. Yeah. Um, but but I think that 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 will be the challenge, but also the opportunity. Right. So for a more upbeat ending, can each of you um, tell me which trend you personally would like to see go away in 2020? Lizzie, you want to start? I'll start, yeah. <laughs> From a menu standpoint, I would love to see the whole cauliflower movement go away. <laughs> um, I mean, we have seen cauliflower pizza crust, cauliflower noodles, cauliflower wings. I thought that that would end this year, but it has not. So I'm very much looking forward to operators kind of looking to new vegetables for innovation mm -hmm. and looking for that whole plant forward movement to kind of extend beyond just the typical applications we've been seeing. Right. I'd also like to see more, you know, vegetable applications instead of the meat analogs, because I think right. there's so much opportunity and creativity with vegetables. 
just on them. their own, not, right. not like mimicking meat all the time. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. So, Amy, what's the trend you would like to see go away? Well, the trend I'd, I'd like to kind of not talk about as much has is there's no chance it's going to go away that's that's off premise Ooh. you know everything is about creating kind of this convenience and capitalizing on people's need to to have more fluid dining occasions but i would love to see restaurants get you know create more compelling experiences for guests and mm-hmm. come back to this idea of drawing people in for something really memorable we are seeing you know some really successful concepts do this places like punchbowl social mm-hmm. you know um, you know concepts that are creating these fun and different experiences i would love to see more of that happen so that um you know people you know gravitate more toward dining out than just ordering at home thanks lizzie and amy for sharing technomics top trends for 2020 join us next time as we delve into more menu trends that will help you stay ahead of the curve this episode of menu feed is brought to you by bush's best with the incredible variety of bush's best bean products They've got you covered with everything from loaded fries to hummus, chili to burritos, succotash to stews. The power of beans is truly incredible in nutrition, versatility, and possibility. Plus, each of these recipes has been carefully crafted to make sure they always attract and they always amaze. For more information, please visit bushbeansfoodservice.com.